Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Don't you love seeing our young people minister like that? Isn't that great? It was so exciting to being a part of Fine Arts because when you were there, there were just thousands of teenagers all across the state that came, and there was preaching workshops, and, and there was human videos and worship. God is raising another generation. I just love it. Kingdom of God keeps going. Go ahead and celebrate that, would you? Amen. So we're starting a series today called Anatomy of Faith. I want to talk to you about the operation of faith in your life. I really sense in my spirit that God is bringing you into a season of fulfillment. Can you get your heart around that? A season of fulfillment. How many of you have promises that God has made? Raise your hand if there's promises that God has made in your life whether it's for your church, for your family, for you personally, I really felt a responsibility this month to really increase your faith through the study of the Word of God in the area of faith, that God is going to deposit into you a supernatural faith, but also faith comes, amen? And we're going to talk about that this month, that faith would begin to rise in your heart, and God is going to produce and bring you into fullness of these promises He has over your life. I found this over the years when it comes to series. If, if we, the ministers, will do our part to just listen to God, God gives us topics in series that are on His heart, and then it's our responsibility to minister that to you. Now, let's put that together, right? If this is what's on God's heart, and God is saying this now, then God is positioning you now because He knows what's coming. He knows what's right around the corner, and He knows this is what you require, what you need to get you to the finish line of this thing. Does that make sense? So I'm very big on series. Pay attention to series because they are prophetic. When you go to a church that moves by the Spirit, even the series are steps that are ordered of the Lord. Can you get your heart around that? Is that okay? All right, you have your Bibles with you today. If you need a, a Bible or a notebook, we provide those for you on these side tables here and in the middle. We want everyone to take notes. I encourage you to do that, that you write down anything that stands out to you, something that you want to remember. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to give you about 20% of the Bible. I'm going to preach it to you in the next 40 minutes. I'm going to give you so much Scripture, it's going to be like drinking from a fire hose. But I'm doing it intentionally because I believe God wants me to overwhelm you with words of faith, to feed your spirit man. Your spirit man can take more than your flesh man can take. And so I'm speaking to your spirit today. Your spirit can contain this. Even if you're new to church, just say yes, amen, like everybody else, and you'll understand it later. All right, just join in the flow of what we're doing today. But we want to make sure you have a Bible accessible to you and you have a notebook accessible to you. Let's dive in. Hebrews chapter 11. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to start in verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. 
And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. This topic of faith isn't just some pie-in-the-sky kind of cloud, mystical thing. God requires faith in our lives. He, he uses that faith to bring things to pass in our lives. It's a partnership. And the Bible says if, if we don't work on this faith, if we don't have this faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, even if you do traditions and ceremonies in the name of God, if there's no faith in it, it doesn't please God. Even if you worship and come to church faithfully, but there's no faith in it, it's just religion, it's just ritual. Faith is expecting something. Faith is looking for something. Faith is believing something actively, amen. That's what pleases God. It's God never rebuked uh, Israel for having too much faith in the Bible. It was always when they began to shrink back in their faith, when they began to get lazy in their faith, when they began to look to other gods to meet their needs rather than having high expectation of their God. God loves it when you believe for great things from Him. That's His love language. It's like, God, I trust you. God, my eyes are on you. God, you are the God of the universe. I know who you are, and my faith is in the one whose name is above every name, the God Almighty, amen. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please Him. God wants you to have language of faith, have hearts filled with faith, a life that is a, a life of faith. First, you must believe that he is. That's key. Our faith isn't in faith. You know, sometimes we have these churches that just preach faith for the sake of faith, and it's like, have faith in faith. My faith is not in faith. Your faith is in God. You must believe that he is. See, your faith comes from your expectation of his nature, of his ability, and of his willingness to help you, amen, an understanding that God is for you and not against you. He's on, you are on, you are in him. He is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Somebody say amen to that. The God that made the universe is living in you. He's walking this life with you. He did not leave you an orphan, amen. He's right there with you. You must believe that he is but I love it, it doesn't just even leave it there. You believe that, oh yeah, there's God, that He is, but that He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. That He wants you to have this expectation that if you pursue Him, He's on the other end welcoming you. He's on the other end answering you. See, sometimes again, we just leave it in the chase after God, chase after God, chase after God, but, but God doesn't want you just like chasing after Him. He wants you to have expectation that He will be found by you that he's listening to you, and he's moving things on your behalf. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. That in seeking him, you won't find emptiness on the other side. You'll find answers. You'll find breakthrough. you find his ability and his compassion, his love for you. Isn't that wonderful? So this is the foundation verse we're using in this series. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we want to get really good in faith. We believe that he is there, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 10 today. Romans chapter 10. Let's talk about the anatomy of faith here. Faith has ears, amen, ears to hear. Faith comes by hearing, the Bible tells us. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing. Can you underline that in your Bible? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Now, we know that that in particular 
verse is talking about faith in Christ comes by hearing the gospel. When you hear the good news of Jesus, faith rises, and you can say yes to the offer being made to you in the good news of Jesus. But this is true in anything. Faith comes. The more you hear, the more faith begins to come. I love it. It's not go produce your own faith. Go just pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and make yourself believe. The Bible gives us a mechanism, a way to increase faith. And this is important. Just like Maria said earlier in the service, you know, a lot of us go through seasons where we have these moments where there's disappointments that happen. You lose a job. A loved one goes to heaven sooner than you expected. There's a divorce. Things didn't work out the way you thought. And there's an attack on your believe mechanism. You are a believer, and you are at your best when you're believing. And the devil sometimes will cool your heart off to where you won't be quick to believe. You become slow to believe. You move from being, God, I believe you, to God will see. And we would never say that out loud, but it can happen. So how do you change into a believer? How do you restore that childlike faith? How does faith come? Maybe in an area you were disappointed in. Maybe in the area of healing. You know the best way for faith to come to you in the area of healing? is to get back into the Word of God and study every single verse there is on healing. Does that make sense to you? And the same thing would be true to relationships and forgiveness. When you fail and you feel like a failure, you go back to the Word of God and you read every verse on His grace and His mercy. When the devil wants you to think that God's against you and God's left you, you go back to the Word of God. Let the Word of God bring faith to you. I want you to see this. This is not about you conjuring up faith in a faith series. You have to believe harder. You have to believe more. It's all on you. It's all on you. I'm saying is this. The Bible is the beginning and ending, the catalyst of your faith. And if you'll just go to the Word of God, faith will come. Faith will come. Even if you are a doubter, you go and you start reading. That Word is alive. It is nourishment to your soul. It will begin to bring faith back to where it used to be. Amen. Sometimes when people get offended in an area of faith, they don't want to hear sermons on that area anymore. Let me give you, for instance, somebody dies that you were praying for to be healed. You don't want to go to a service that talks about healing. Do you understand what I just said? Because in your disappointment, you put up a wall to where you once believed. But the solution to that is not to keep yourself out of services that talk about healing. The solution is to put yourself right back into that uncomfortable type of service and you hear more and more Word of God on healing again so that you don't begin to build a theology that God doesn't heal people anymore. Now, we don't have the answer to maybe the situation that you went through when you get to heaven one day. If you still desire to, I'm sure God will answer that question. But the Bible does reveal to us, and it's true in this generation that God is still a healing God. And so sometimes you have to put yourself in position under the Word of God where you feel uncomfortable and you let God, through His Word, bring faith back to where faith was lost. Are you understanding this? So today I want to inspire you today about faith as a tool and a weapon. Faith as a tool and a weapon. I don't want to take for granted that all of us think of faith that way. Some of you, that's easy. For some people in the room, the only idea of faith they have is this general idea that they have a faith in God. And so when I use the word faith, you say, yes, I'm a Christian. I have a faith. I am a person of faith. 
I want to move you into another relationship with faith so that it's not just I have faith, I am a person of faith, but that you're someone that knows how to lay hold and use faith as a tool and a weapon. It's not just an identity of your religion. Come on now. You're not just a person of faith. The just shall live by faith. Faith can move mountains. And let's teach you how to move those mountains today. Let's teach you how to walk a walk of faith and to see miracles come to pass and promises fulfilled in your life. So it's not just about, yeah, I have faith. Let's use it like a weapon and a tool. Are you ready to learn today? You ready for that? Jesus often said, let it be done unto you according to your faith. And so today I feel inspired to begin this process of helping you position yourself that this is the season that so many of the promises of God, I believe over Calvary, which by the way, you are Calvary. You've heard it in the Holy Spirit conference. I'm telling you, everyone that keeps, that starts, that's been coming through Calvary recently is feeling this similar thing. Something's up. Something's moving. Something's about to take place. Something's bursting forth. There's a well that's bursting out. God is doing something in Calvary. But I want you to see something. Calvary is not a building. Calvary is you. Amen. God isn't fulfilling a promise to a building. He's fulfilling a promise to a people. Amen. So if Calvary is in a season of fulfilled promise, that means your times of promise are here. Not deferred or delayed, but there's times and seasons for everything. And I really genuinely believe we are in a moment of time that God is positioning your life to fulfill promises he's made to you. And in doing so, he fulfills the promises he's made to a a people. Be it done unto you according to your faith. You can hear me today and say, oh, I've heard it before. This is just one of those sermons where someone wants to get you all fired up. Well, then that's all it's going to be for you today. But if you believe it's a word from the Lord, if you believe that God still speaks and that God has times and seasons and he would orchestrate this month to get your heart and your faith in position because he wants to see the thing finally burst from the spiritual into the natural, but there is a faith part that you have to lay hold of. Just because there's a promise doesn't mean that promise comes to pass. There are parts that we play in saying yes to those promises. God can speak to you. God even spoke to Mary, and he said that you're going to conceive a son. But she still had to say, be it done unto me according to your word. She still had to get in agreement with the promise. Israel, God had promise after promise after promise in Israel, but they had to say yes to the promise and stay in position. Amen. Now, in Christ, I'm getting all theological already. (laughs) In Christ, you are in position, but you need to say yes. You need to start looking. You need to start obeying whatever the Lord is telling you in the moment of this season to bring these things to pass. Amen. Get your faith ready. I got a lot to say in a short period of time. Let faith rise today. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Let me just start preaching the word to you right now, okay? Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 from the Berean Study Bible. I just want to encourage you with this. The Lord your God is among you. Somebody say amen to this. The Lord your God is among you. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. 
He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. My friend, when I say to you that God is getting ready to bring forth his promises to you, you might right now be thinking it's impossible. It's impossible. I'm too much into debt. It's impossible. I don't have enough money coming in. It's impossible. Those relationships are too far gone. They're too broken. My friend, the word of the Lord says that God is among you and he is mighty to save. Today is about getting you to see the strength and willingness of your God and to get your eyes off your own arms, get your eyes off your own ability and to put your eyes on his ability and his willingness, amen? I can tell I'm on a mission because I have this focused forehead right now. It's like tense. I, I normally am in like a real, like, hey, 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 but I feel it right here. I feel the eye of the tiger thing. And my friends, we've got to get, this is it. This is time. We are focused in on this thing. Amen? Your God is among you and he is mighty to save. Even when things look and feel impossible. I went out with one of our elders a few weeks ago and I was so blessed by meeting with Eddie, Eddie the Elder. <laughs> I feel like we need to make an action figure. But he was such a blessing to me because there were certain things that I have, I, I, we as Calvary need God to do. And he just sat there over lunch and he said, Pastor Kevin, when this church had tens of millions of dollars worth of debt on it, God moved that mountain. You know, isn't that awesome? And then he said another thing that Calvary was facing a few years ago and he said, and God moved that mountain. And he just began preaching life into me and reminding me that your job is not to figure out how to move these mountains, but to trust the one who can. To trust the God who knows how. Amen? And yeah, even as a pastor, we all need people to preach to us too. We need people in our lives reminding us that he said he's going to build his church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. Amen? If you ever make it a work of man, it can be destroyed. But if it's a work of God, it'll last. Amen. Amen. And so I take that this week, and I just kind of felt the same thing for you. Like, it, there are things that are bigger than you in your life. I get it. And you think, how can God do anything with this? It's too far gone. It's too lost. But I'm here to remind you today that God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Here's a picture I want to give to you today. It's an illustration. You can write it on your notes if you'd like. I'm about to draw the most amazing drawing you've ever seen. And I don't want you to be intimidated by my artistic ability. I am a humble man. I'm just a man. But if you can keep up, I'd like you to draw what I'm about to draw on this board. No one's going to judge you. Ready? Boom, there it is. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Can you believe I've never even gone to school for art? I know, I know. It's, it's natural. It's a natural gift. When you look at this masterpiece, when you look up here, what's the first thing you see? A box. The Lord showed me this a few years ago about this very topic that we're talking about today. 
he told me to draw a box on a big whiteboard. And he said, Kevin, what do you see? And I said, I see the box. And he said, Kevin, what I see is all the white space. All the white space. I want to talk to you today about the God of the white space. The God of the white space. You see, because right now in your situation, you're trying to figure out how God's going to do what he promised. All you normally can see is what you've already seen. And so you are thinking that God is limited to produce what he promised based on what you've already seen or what you already know. But God is not limited to your box. God is not limited to your experience. God is not even limited to the experience of mankind. God, throughout the Scriptures, pulls things out of the white space, out of places and ideas and things that no human being has ever even considered. Your God is the God of the white space. Go on, you can celebrate that. When you look at your need, you look at the box, and you say, God, within my box, I don't know how. But God says, why, why are you limited me, limiting me to your box? I'll just pull it out of the white space. I'll just pull it out of the white space. Let me give you some examples. Can we go through 20% of the Bible right now? Let's do this. Boom. Exodus chapter 14. Write it down in your notes. You don't have to go there. We don't have time. Exodus chapter 14. God is bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. They've been in slavery there for hundreds of years. They face a Red Sea. Exodus chapter 14. They face a Red Sea. In that moment, Moses and all the people say, we're going to die. There's no way over there. Why? Because they say, we don't have any boats. There's no bridge. We're backed up against the water. And you know what God did? No problem. He parted the water, and they walked through on dry ground. Did God pull that out of Moses' thought process? Did God pull that out of any human being that would have ever have considered that's how God would have solved that problem? No. He pulled it out of the white space. He moved the laws of nature. Come on now. Why? Because they're in his hands. They're a plaything in his hand. He's not limited to boats and bridges. But Moses wouldn't even have known how to pray. Moses wouldn't have known to say, God, part the water. Now we have it in songs. But before it happened, I had not seen, ear had not heard, nor had entered into the heart of man. Amen. Genesis chapter 26. <laughs> yes. It's holy moly. You can write that down as Jeff just spoke. In Genesis chapter 26, Isaac, there's a Abraham's son Isaac was in a land of famine. Land of famine. And God tells him in Genesis 26 to sow seed like crops in a time of drought and famine. What? God, the economic environment right now is not ideal. What we could have considered is move to a land where there is no famine. Do this, do that in the natural. All the stuff in the box of our understanding. And yet God said, no, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stay in the famine. I want you to stay in the drought. And I want you to keep sowing your seed. And in the same year, the Bible says, he reaped a hundred 
hundredfold return on his crops in the time of famine. Everyone else was in famine. He was in his most abundant year ever. Are you understanding this? God pulled it out of the white space. No one had ever produced a hundredfold crops in drought. Now we preach it to kids in Sunday school class. Amen? Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. In Daniel chapter 3, we find Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, being thrown into a fiery furnace. Now, they said, perhaps God will deliver us from the fire. And so even in their expectation, they might have thought the king would have had a change of heart. Let me say it like this. Maybe you're facing some legal battle. And you're like, God, could, all you have to do is this, and you could get me out of it. And so out of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in their box, they might think the king will have a change of heart. They might think God will somehow blow the fire out. God might somehow uh, let them escape the fire or something like that. But nobody would have saw them going through the furnace. Do you see this? That going through the furnace was actually the testimony, was actually going to produce the thousands of years of stories of faith. So like I said, you might be going through a court case right now. You might be thinking, man, it would have been so much easier if this case would have gotten thrown out. If, if somebody just would have said, hey, it's no big deal, whatever. Maybe you're going through the journey. Maybe you're going through the fire. But nobody would have saw going through the fire as the wisdom of God. And you know what happened when they were thrown in the fire? Many of you know these stories. You saw the veggie tale. I mean, when they were thrown into that fire, the Bible says that they didn't burn up. That the only thing that burned up were the chains that bound them. God pulled it out of the white space. No one had ever seen that. No one had ever done that before. God pulled it out of the white space. Are you hearing me? As a matter of fact, it was actually a moment where the wicked king looks into the furnace and he says, how many men did we throw in there? Someone says three. Then the other guy says, why are there four? And the fourth one looks like the son of God because God got in the fire with them. God was dancing with them. They were not alone. But they wouldn't have seen that coming. You see what I'm saying? How is God going to get us out of this? I don't know. Maybe he'll just bring you through it and you'll dance the whole way. They didn't even smell like smoke when they came out of the fire, the Bible says. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Second Kings chapter 6. Second Kings chapter 6. There's a school of prophets. Second Kings chapter 6. And they're out there working, building prophet stuff. Like houses and stuff. And this guy, he's like, this prophet's just like whacking away with an axe. And he like goes to chop, and all of a sudden the Bible says the axe, head, the axe head flies off and sinks to the bottom of the river. And he goes up the river and he's like, man. And he looks at the prophet and he's like, it was borrowed. <laughs> and you want to know what happened? See, again, we wouldn't think this way. We would think, again, the prophet would say, don't worry, we'll find the money to buy another axe. You, maybe we have an extra axe you can give. You know what God did? The Bible says he made the axe head float. 
He actually brought it back from the bottom of the water. And I just felt in my spirit to tell some of you today in that situation, maybe there's some finances that looks like they're completely sunk and lost. And you might be thinking, oh, I've got to go start over. I have to go, you know, do the whole thing over. I've got to go do this. And God is about to bring it back up to you. He's about to bring it back to you. But that's impossible. Axe heads don't float. But God, in this instance, rather than getting him a new one, he brought back what was lost. He brought back the very thing that was lost. Are you understanding this? So I'm not sure what might be lost, and, and you might have already given up on it, saying, axe heads don't float. But God doesn't care about gravity and science and elements and all that stuff. He's going to do what he promised. He's going to be faithful to you. He'll pull it out of the white space. Amen. Amen. John chapter 9, verse 32. Let me open it up in my Bible. John chapter 9, verse 32. Listen to this one. John chapter 9, verse 32. God, Jesus had healed a man born blind. Jesus had healed a man born blind. And in verse 32, the Bible says, ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. Do you ever read it like that, everybody? You have to start reading your Bible and believing what it says. No one in the history of the world had ever been able to restore sight to someone who was born blind. See, this was the box. If someone was born with some level of, you know, disease, sickness, whatever limitation, there's certain things in our head that says no one, no one has ever fixed that. No one has ever solved that. No one has ever healed someone who's been born blind until the day God does it. Until the day God does it. Right? Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. Amen? These are phys- this is a physical genetic thing. This, this, this guy was j- born with the wrong genetics internally. He was formed in a way where his body couldn't see. We don't even know what was missing. He was born blind. We take these things like, so no, no big deal. No, what if he was missing like optic nerves? You ever thought of that? Or what if there was some other condition? Can God heal someone that doesn't even have optic nerves? Yeah, he can. I don't have time to go into it right now, but I'll just use this as a sidetrack just to wet your whistle. Anyway, I have a friend of mine who used to be my secretary, and she only had one kidney, and God gave her another kidney, two healthy kidneys. Can God grow kidneys? Yeah, absolutely. I have another friend of mine. He's in heaven now. He was in a car accident when he was 16 years old. His voice box was completely severed and crushed. He had no voice box. Jesus came into his hospital room, touched his throat, and he could speak. But wait a minute, wait a minute. You might think, yeah, God gave him a voice box. No, 
They did x-rays. He has the x-rays. He still doesn't have a voice box. God gave him the ability to speak without a voice box. Why? He pulled it out of the white space. Sometimes God does things just to say, I'm going to do it outside of science. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he gave him a voice box. I can believe that. But can you believe God can make you speak without one? And he traveled the world preaching and singing for like 40 years. First Samuel chapter 17, a shepherd boy was facing a giant. Can this little kid take down that giant? It never been done before. Never been done before. God pulled David out of the white space. He pulled him out of the field. There was armies there. That's how God should have done it. He should have used the warriors. He should have used the king. He should have used the armies. Nah, I'm going to go use the kid playing harps out on the prairie. I'm going to use the kid that his family didn't even bring him in when the prophet came because he was insignificant. I'm going to go bring that guy, and he's going to be the one I'm going to use to save Israel. I'm going to pull him out of the white space. Amen. Or how about this one? Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. A virgin conceives and gives birth. I love that one. I love that one because that's not supposed to happen. Right? Can I get an amen? (laughs) A virgin conceives and gives birth to God. That's, that's messing science all up. That's messing up traditions of men. That's messing up culture. That's messing up thought patterns. That is impossible. That's not the way it's supposed to happen. And God says, it doesn't matter. I'm pulling out of the white space. I'm pulling out of the white space. I'm going to do things. I'm not limited to your science. I'm not limited to your bank account. I'm not limited to your thoughts. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Amen. Too many times people have used that verse to quiet people down that have questions. When you get disappointed, somebody dies that you didn't want to die, you lose a job, someone uses that verse to sweep it under the rug, and they say, well, God's ways are not your ways, so just sweep it under the rug. And unfortunately, some people have taken that verse as a negative connotation, but it's not supposed to be a negative connotation. It's supposed to be saying, God is telling you, when you can't conceive it, I can still see how to do it. When your eye and your faith can't get there because you only have been exposed to human things, I see from my perspective. I can do from my perspective. I'm not limited to your history. I'm not limited to your culture. I'm not limited to your ability. My ways, my thoughts are higher, and I know how to do what I said I'm going to do. Amen. So it's not a sweeping it under the rug or sweeping away your questions, which, by the way, God is never intimidated by your questions. Feel free to ask him. And he'll answer you. He wants you to talk to him rather than running away from him because you have questions. Go to him with your questions. It's fine. He's big. He's got big shoulders. And he'll let you talk and he'll give you an answer. A virgin conceives and gives birth. How will God come through for you? Possibly like he did for somebody else. That's cool. Maybe he'll part the water for you. Maybe he'll bring you through the fire. Who knows what, and you won't even be burned. But then I also add this. Write this to your notes. He may also create something totally new. Let me say it like this. Israel, God's people, are out in the desert, and they're hungry. 
and we know what hungry believers can be like. They ain't pretty. They whine and they complain, all kinds of things. And God says, I'm going to feed them tomorrow. And the people are like, what? Moses, even Moses, he's like, what? And all of a sudden, tomorrow morning, manna shows up. Manna. You know what manna is? The name manna means what is it? Why? Because there was no preconceived idea of what it is. You define manna by calling it manna. What is it? What it is? That's it. That's the name. It's a wafer that tastes like honey. That's the best they could do. But every morning, God brought it there for them to eat. And at night, he brought quail. Here's what I want you to see about manna. God fed a nation overnight, and I'm sure the pastor was so worried about how are we going to feed all these people? How are we going to do what you've called us to do, God? How are we going to solve this need problem? And God, tomorrow morning, created something the world had never seen to solve the problem. That's what I want you to see in that. Remember, he may... How's God going to do it for you? He may do it like he did it for somebody else, but he may also create something totally new, like manna or virgin conceiving or something that you've never seen before. Don't limit God to your box. Don't limit God on how he's going to do what he said. He'll pull it from the white space. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 Verse 9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. No mind has even imagined what God has prepared. Again, that's speaking of salvation, but that's speaking of all the things that God, when God prepares something, there are things that are far beyond your imagination or expectation. Amen. So that's why sometimes it's really important that you don't just go to human beings to build your faith because they may be just like you and say, I don't know, I have no answers, and they try to talk your expectation down to their box that they've experienced. But God isn't limited to their box either. So if God has spoken to you, you trust God who has spoken to you. And he doesn't always speak to them. He spoke it to you. Amen. And he knows how to do it. He may do it the way he did it for someone else, or if he has to, he'll create it brand new. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 from the Amplified Bible. Now faith is the assurance, the title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. Isn't that awesome? And the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. That's what I want to get to today. It, faith is the conviction of these unseen things and their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Faith comprehends. Faith understands it. My mind doesn't understand it. My, my education doesn't understand it. But something in me, my faith comprehends it. My faith comprehends it as fact what cannot be experienced by physical senses. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him, talking about God, who is able to do infinitely more than we could ask or imagine. Infinitely more than you could ask or imagine. Again, back to my artistic drawing. 
God will pull it out of places your mind could not conceive and your mind couldn't even imagine. You hear people say, I can't even imagine how God could, you know, get me out of this mess, but God knows how to do it. Amen? Amen. Now unto him who is able to do infinitely more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power. That's the key. It's not your power. It's according to his power. And he's the one that created the whole universe and all the other universes that we don't see, by the way. Some of us could do real good by getting your mind back into the, the idea that God is the creator of all things. I'm not sure where y'all land with evolution and creation and all this stuff. I believe that everything was created by God and for God. Okay? Now listen. Whatever your thoughts on that, doesn't matter because in the beginning of it all, God had to start this whole thing in every universe. And then when you see that if God can fling all those stars into the sky and God could create with his bare hands those planets and God can form the human being and all its complexities and God the creator, God the creator, God the creator, your faith rises. It's, it's according to his power. You see this? It's according to his power that holds it all together. The universe doesn't hold itself together. The Bible says Jesus holds the universe together. According to his power, his power, his power. We so bring him down to a couple songs and Sunday school stories, we forget that he's the creator of all things. He's the creator of all things. And I think that's one of the reasons why the devil wants to attack the image that he's the creator of all things. Because he wants you just to shrink Jesus down into just this human being that you can say yes or no to. He's not just some human being, he's the God of all things. Amen. I'm getting into a different sermon. Give me two more thoughts and we're done. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. New Living Bible. By faith we understand that the entire universe... Oh, look. My, my scripture is about to tell you the same thing. <laughs> By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Let's pause. I don't care that I'm going to go five minutes over. Listen to me. See, I got the angry forehead, so I'm just going to do this. What does that mean? My friends, listen to this. Everything you see came from none of what you see. <laughs> you say, well, God took dirt and made, no, -uh, there was no dirt. God made the dirt, and then God made the dirt into what he wanted. Matter, energy, water, light, it didn't exist. God, out of the unseen, made everything that is seen. And so now we have limitations on God that he can only use what is seen. But what is seen came from what was unseen before. There was no earth, there was no planet, there was no human beings. And even when God made human beings, the angels stood back and said, what is man that you were mindful of him? They had never seen anything like that before until God did it. Everything that is seen was made from things that didn't exist. He didn't even need matter to make matter. Amen. You can celebrate that. It came out of the white space. God created it out of the white space. 
He doesn't require what we can see or comprehend to create what He has spoken. He doesn't require what we can see or comprehend to create what He has spoken. Isn't that good? Go ahead and stand up. Let's close in a word of prayer. Did you get anything out of that today, church? Go ahead and celebrate. Go ahead and celebrate that. Let faith rise. Let faith come. Josue and the worship team can come on out. Let faith rise. Let it come. As you're hearing these stories, these are people. These are, these are acts of God. This is his character. This is his ability. Let faith come into your situation, whatever you're facing. God knows how to pull it out of the white space. Do not be limited by what you've experienced. Do not be limited by other people's opinions. Do not be limited by how you feel. Your faith is in God. Your faith is in God. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.